Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come on, let's all lift our hands. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated if you can. Stand if you can. Praise the Lord. I'm going to knock some of these walls out early, seems like. Open your Bible to first, no, second Chronicles chapter one. So I'm going to be teaching, I think, I think I'm going to wrap up our series on raising godly children in an increasingly evil society today. So I do want to just give you another heads up as I've done for the last few weeks. There will be some PG 13 content in this message. So if you have a, a child under 13 and you would prefer them to not hear certain things, uh, certainly take advantage of our children's ministry and, and we'll just, we'll just get right into it. But one of the things that is radically clear is society is not growing more godly. Society is growing more evil by the day. And, and I want to make sure, and we're going to kind of do a little recap here. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, I'm going to do a little recap, but I highly encourage you, especially if you're a parent, um, to go back and check out the last few weeks and just, it, we're, there's been a lot of, of the meat of the word and then also some really, uh, fundamental, uh, practices and processes that you can use while raising children in the society that we're in right now. And the first thing that I just want to touch on is evil is not necessarily frightening looking or ghoulish. It is and it can be, but evil is anything contrary to God's word. The enemy does not show up like the devil usually. He usually shows up like an angel of light. So you and me must be wise as a serpent, the Bible says, but harmless as a dove in the process. So we have to be wise to the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And in society today, the enemy is constantly using catchphrases and words and cliches and slogans to try to make people that believe godly principles to seem to be small-minded or close-minded. We are not small-minded. We have the mind of Christ. We are not closed-minded. We are just closed-minded to topics that are contrary to the Bible. So first and foremost, as we're recapping still, you have to understand that evil is not necessarily something frightening looking. It's anything contrary to God's word. Secondly, I don't want to address this topic that I'm about to talk about. I have no desire to talk about it, but it is being forced upon us. There are only two genders in the human race. And there are two genders in the human race. That statement is going to be very important over the next few months you watch. Because what will happen is society at this point is trying to push even medical professionals. 
are trying to push the concept that a child at birth, that their sex has not been determined. But the word of God says, before he formed you, he knew you. So the iteration has to be that you and I have to stand on the word of God and understand you and I are coming into a season. You and I are coming into a season where some criticism is not going to be uh, unusual. Criticism of the word of God and the people of God is actually going to increase very rapidly in the season that we're in right now. So you have to know uh, the, the concept of being persecuted for your faith is not because you said, God bless you when somebody sneezed. It's not because you bowed your head and prayed silently while you were eating Olive Garden. Side note, how come nobody ever prays for the appetizers? We eat the salad, we eat the bread, we eat the appetizers, and then the food comes and everybody gets holy. Hey, we really need to pray, y'all. Why? Like, oh, now we need to pray. But what happens is, in society, it's pushing, society is pushing so strong in the opposite direction of the things of God. You and I, we have to stand up for the word of God. Now, freedom is not freedom unless you can do what you want. Now, that does not mean that you can do what you want at the expense or the pain of somebody else. But it does mean you're not free if you can't do what you want. This is just a side note. There'll be a few of them, a couple of footnotes as we go. If you're not legally allowed to protect your family, then you're not free. So you don't have to like firearms, but because a firearm exists, then a person who is in good standing should have the right to be able to protect their family against and from somebody who has evil intentions that may or may not have a weapon. I'm not trying to start a big stink. I'm just telling you, you've got to stand for some things because what happens in the kingdom is this. Anything that we tolerate, the next generation will celebrate. Because sin is not satisfied being tolerated. Sin demands the right to be celebrated. So for you and for me, it is absolutely imperative that we stand on what God said. Now, I want to make this clear. We didn't write these standards. We, we didn't. So, so if you take, if you take just the, the topic of sexuality, we did not, we did not write God's standards, but we, if we are going to be in his kingdom, we have to adapt to his statutes, not the opposite. So if you don't want to be a Christian, you know, I think that's scary, but don't, you know, just don't be one. But you can't be a Christian and then say God was wrong about this part. And if you're a Christian and you're saying, well, you know, gossip will send you to hell too. Yes. But there's not parades and flags that celebrate gossip. And they're not trying to write new laws that dictate that gossip is somehow now okay. And there's not a parade for liars where, where you're saying, oh, lying needs to be okay because we just want to do it. So you have to, if you're raising godly kids in an evil society, you're going to have to combat these things. And if your children go to school, you're going to have to find out what did they hear at school that day. 
And you, here's just, we're still recapping. You're going to have to remove some of the things or place some of the things on the altar that you have been hesitant to sacrifice up to now. I'll just give you a couple. You know, if you're, if your child, if your child is eight, is 15 years old, okay? You have 156 more Sundays before they're 18. Doesn't sound like much. So if you have prioritized the Dallas Cowboys or the Houston Texans, air quotes, religiously, but you have not prioritized the house of the living God, you can tell your kids you need to find a good church when they're grown all you want, but they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. So you have to verify with your life that the kingdom of God is your tip top priority. If you can't make it to the house of God on Sunday morning, and I know it's nine o'clock, we're preaching in the choir here, but if you can't make it to the house, this is just for everybody online. If, 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 if you can't make it to the house of God or turn the live stream on, but you know exactly when your favorite Netflix series is going to release the new series and you've got a clock set to make sure that it happens. If you can't be to the house of God on time or to the live stream on time, but you're on time to the movie theater. I'm not saying that, that you don't love Jesus. I'm saying your priorities are verifying what you consider the highest priority, whether you think about it or not. There's a lot of people you go down to a, to a Houston Astros game. You got to go down to a city, the fourth largest city in America. You got to find a place to park. They don't tell you where your chair is. You got it written on a little piece of paper. Nowadays, it's not even on a paper. It's on your phone. And you walk in, you Google a map to find out how to get there. You Google a map to find out where you can park. You Google a map of the stadium so you can find out where to sit so you know which gate to go into. Then you get there three hours early so you can watch batting practice and maybe catch a ball you could buy in the gift shop for $4. Then you sit there all day hoping it goes into extra innings. So it goes six hours and instead of being frustrated, you love it. Instead of going, well, I thought we'd be done by now. You're saying, I hope we're not done when we're supposed to be done. And then you, you, you walk out of there and, and, and you, you navigate your way back to, to your car and then you find a way when there's a hundred thousand people that weren't there when you got there now trying to get somewhere. You not only have navigated how to get home, you've navigated how to get home on back roads so you don't have to wait in traffic. And every bit of this, you are on time for. And you can't drive 20 minutes to the house of the living God and be on time? You, you think your kids are stupid? Don't answer that. You think your kids don't see that? These things are smart, man. Kids are brilliant. Most people put more, more, more expectation on their puppy dog. Then they put on their kids. And that's why kids are sitting there just, just bored out of their gourd doing all kind of things because the expectation on a puppy dog is higher than the expectation on a kid. The puppy's six weeks old. You start telling the puppy, don't, don't, don't go to the bathroom in the house. And I've seen kids run around seven, eight years old with big baggy britches. It's a priority thing. 
You got to put some expectation on it. But they can see what your priority is. So if, if you're not making the house of God a priority, listen, that means we do some things and we don't do other things. I'm not saying every time, I'm not talking about vacation, I'm not talking about getting away for a weekend, I'm not talking about anything like that. But if you're still up two, three o'clock in the morning and then trying to figure out why it's hard to get to church on a Sunday morning, it's because you haven't prioritized the things of God, the house of God, which means you don't prioritize the word of God and you're not prioritizing worshiping God and that's why the next generation is confused because we say one thing and we do another it's called two-faced the bible says that a a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways and a child needs stability in the society that we live in they need to know when mom says yes it means yes when mom says no it means no it doesn't mean i go from mom to dad and i get them fighting with each other they need stability. And these kids are smart. They, they will work you like a rented mule if you're not careful. Especially if you hadn't started when, when, they're, when they were babies in this. Some of us, you know, you, you came into the kingdom and, and you're kind of coming midstream of raising your children or you're making commitments midstream of raising your children. There's some radical changes that need to be made. This kingdom has a culture. Who in here likes crawfish? Just wave at me. Where are crawfish usually from? Are they usually spicy or mild? So, in other words, whenever you ate a crawfish, you weren't necessarily in Louisiana, but you experienced the culture that is called Cajun. You're not on Golden Streets right now. But you are of a different kingdom even while you're in the world. And if the people around you cannot see the culture of the kingdom that you're supposed to be carrying, they're going to miss an opportunity to fall in love with this Jesus who we have given our lives to. You got to be a culture carrier that is has some stability in your household and in your family. We're still just doing a, a brief recap. You got to understand being a parent comes become comes before other social relationships. I'm going to say that again. Being a parent comes before other social relationships. If your if your household is not going in the direction that you would prefer that your household go, then you need to radically change the dynamics of your household. And that might mean, sir, that you don't go play golf on Saturday morning anymore. Well, that's my time. When is their time? Because you leave the house at 6 or 7 o'clock every morning. They go to school till 3 or 4 o'clock. That means the only time that you're actually seeing them, you're both exhausted. Who in here makes great decisions when you're tired? It'll cost you something to raise your kids. It'll actually cost you everything. Some of you gotta, gotta put some stuff on the altar. I'm not saying everybody should do this, but some of you should, should maybe even consider your profession for a while. Well, I could never do that. I, I'm contributing to the household. You ready? Finances are not the only contribution to a household. Matter of fact, they're lower on the totem pole than parenthood. There's nothing wrong with 
literally raising your children. It's one of the most honorable things you can do. You say, well, well, how are we going to make ends meet? You're going to believe God and you're going to live by faith. And if you got to make some cuts, you need to make some cuts, but don't risk your kid for nothing. Some of you, some of you should, should consider maybe, you know, what does our, what does our week look like? If, if, if you don't know the, if you don't have the pulse of your household, I would recommend this. Don't watch TV all week and go for a walk every night. This is just a practical way you can do it. Go for a walk every night until you find out what's going on in your home. What are that, what are your kids into? What are they not into? So you can't be a parent that is not present. You've got to be there and look, all of society has become self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about my, it's all about what I did. It's all about all this. When the kingdom's not built that way at all, aren't you glad Jesus isn't like that? Wouldn't that have been miserable? Instead, instead, it's a consistent laying down of your life over and over and over and over and over again. And when you think you've done it enough, just get ready. You're going to have to do it again. Sacrifice is key. Nothing is off the table. Nothing is off the table. Come on, let's all lift one hand. I want to pray for a second. I sense the presence of God very strong. Lord, I sense the wind of revival in this place. I hear the prayers of the saints. I hear the prayers of those who have been serving you. And Father, I believe that in this revival, it is not for one people class. It is not for one age bracket. It is literally for any and all who will come to you and subject their life to the beauty of your name. So Father, for our children... We drive a stake in the ground today, whether they are grown, whether they are unborn, no matter where they are in the spectrum. I say in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, you will not have our children. You will not have our children. They will complete the will of God on their life and in their life. And we will see it come to pass. We will see it come to pass. Everybody just say this. Say, I trust you with my children. Touch them, Lord. Heal them. Set their feet on a solid rock. Let them have an encounter today in Jesus' name. Now give God a hand of praise like you believe it. All right, let's move into some new material. Number one today, if you're going to raise godly children in an evil society, you have to understand that this is a seed-based kingdom. The kingdom of Almighty God is a seed-based kingdom. Not just in our finances, not just in our actions, not just in our efforts, 
but literally the plan of God, a partial, uh, a partial element of the growth of the kingdom is simply your offspring serving God. That is a huge part of the growth of the kingdom, the plan of the kingdom. It is, there is not one place in the Bible where God is planning for your children to not serve God. Matter of fact, it is so, it is so radically a part of the growth of the kingdom that when the Israelites were held captive by the Egyptians, the Egyptians started aborting Israelite children because they were reproducing so fast and their offspring were staying the course and staying under that Israelite faith that they literally tried to shut the whole thing down, the entire growth that comes just from your children serving God. So if you gotta, if you understand, if you have to, if you want to get to the point where you understand anything in this kingdom, you have to think through the seed concept. When God said, I want children, I want more children. I want people that can come and, and be close to me and not be separated from me. He didn't just send an angel. He sent his seed and he planted that seed named Jesus. You see what? The devil never should have put Jesus in the ground. Because a seed only does one or two things. It either waits or it grows. And as soon as Jesus Christ was put in that borrowed tomb, he activated the law of seed, time, and harvest. And three days later, the king of all glory walked out of that tomb. And you and I are a part of that harvest that has perpetuated for 2,000 years and will never stop. Because it's a seed-based kingdom. So with your children, you got to understand, you got to show them the way and know it takes some time. It takes some time. I got to take some time. It's going to be such a simple thing, but it's just going to take some time. Whatever it is, you're going to have to say it again and again. You know, one of the things the Lord really, really talked to me about after two or three years of pastoring, because you know, I've never been a pastor till New Heights. We just moved over here, started church, started church, started winning people to God to the best of our ability. One of the first things the Lord really spoke to me about in the way that I teach is he said, repetition is not a negative. Because I was always like, well, I said that, you know, six months ago. I don't want to say it again. And then I thought about the Lord said, he said, repetition is not a negative. And I thought about everything that I've gotten better at. It's because I just repeated it over and over and over. Come on, you, you, you don't become a, a, a guitar master by picking up the first guitar you see at the music store. Hours and hours of repetition and repetition and repetition. If you want to be a good golfer, you, you don't become a good golfer just because you played one time. All you golfers know what I'm talking about. It is the repetition that causes it to actually take root in your life. Your kids, there's going to be some stuff you're going to have to say to them a thousand times. And instead of being frustrated, you ought to thank God that they're still in your house so you get the chance to say it again. My wife has, has a beautiful, beautiful anointing to, to just to just raise children and help children. Matter of fact, she's overseen our children's ministry and so many other things to the church that's just never really... Uh, never really talked about much, but she's radically involved in children. So many things behind the scenes. She has just an incredible heart for it. And one of the things she says is, I don't want them to make a mistake, but if they're going to make a mistake, I'd rather them do it now so I could catch them. 
And not like your grandma used to think. Like catch them so you can beat them. That's how my grandmas were. They were ready to get you. I had one grandma use the fly swatter. Anybody here ever? Never mind. <laughs> Let me tell you what you didn't do. Whatever that was twice. <laughs> do you want me to get the fly swatter? I don't see any bugs. You know. You're the bug. She said, she said, I want to do it where I can catch them. She said, she said, she said, it's like, like when you take a kid bowling, you know, they put the bumpers in the lanes. So a gutter bottle, so a gutter ball is not a possibility when they're still in your house. There's a certain, there's a certain beauty to understanding that you really only have about 18, maybe 20 years, depending for you to bump them back in and not let them get in the gutter. So instead of looking at it like, I can't believe they did it again, it gives you the opportunity to know where to pray and the opportunity to tell them one more time, you know, I know you did this, you shouldn't have done this, but I'm living proof that God won't fail you. And all he wants you to do is get up one more time and mom and dad are right here to help you. Can you give God a hand of praise right there? It's a seed-based kingdom. Number two for this morning. Kids need honesty. Now you need to do it at the right time. You don't want to do it too early. But they, they need honesty about their life. They need honesty about the way things work, the way they don't work. Because the world is spending trillions and trillions of dollars to, to package demonic things as if they are correct or righteous. I'll just, I'll just talk about one for a minute. And, and even, uh, when I, when I talk about this, I want you to know this is not in condemnation to anybody who's ever done this or experienced this or knows somebody that's not what this is, but we still have to tell the truth. You have to tell your kids what abortion really is. You, you can't, you cannot, you cannot Expect that the world is going to do the right thing. You have to do the right thing. You have to tell them the truth. And you usually have to do it a little earlier than you were thinking you were going to have to do it. And so there's kind of two telltale signs that you need to talk about it. Number one, if it's ever in their sphere. Nowadays, a commercial that pops up on YouTube will open your kid's mind to something they'd never thought of. That's why the Song of Solomon says, don't awaken love before it's time. That's why you don't want, like if it happens, you got to deal with it and address it to the best of your ability and believe God. But you don't want your child being exposed to too many things too early. There's nothing wrong with being protective of your children's beautiful minds. You can protect them from things because those thoughts just run rampant once the gate is open. So uh, it wasn't long ago, I was having a conversation with our 12-year-old son about what abortion was. And I'm watching and smoke is boiling out of his ears. I said, you okay? He said, Daddy, that's killing babies. I said, yeah. He said, Daddy, I know ladies right now that are pregnant. I said, yeah. He goes... There was somebody walking down the sidewalk. He said, that'd be no different than, than pulling over and chopping that person up right there. 
I said, that is completely correct. He said, well, well, what do you, what do you, what do we do? I said, we believe God. And we try to teach people because we are in this world, but we're not of this world. I saw a headline recently that, and again, this PG-13 material here. I saw a headline recently. I believe it was in the Washington Post, but I could be wrong about that. That the church of Satan has sued, I believe it was the state of Texas. Because they want to be able to continue to perform abortions during their rituals. Because they know what it is. It's a child sacrifice. I'm not talking about the gray areas here. I'm talking about abortion for the use of birth control. For the use of, well, I don't want to lay my life down yet. Well, what you did has consequences. That, li- that baby doesn't have a choice. You're making the choice to do that. And if we don't teach our children this clearly, again, the world is spending, spending billions and trillions of dollars. Have you ever seen a lady that wants to be pregnant? The minute that the test turned two stripes after the thing, they look at it. Two stripes. They start acting like they can't button their pants anymore. <laughs> I remember the first time Crystal, we, she was pregnant with Haley. That's her first baby. It was like day two. She's like, I got to go to the maternity store. <laughs> I think I might too, babe. I don't know. I'm with you. Stretchy pants. Somebody wants to be pregnant. That's a baby. That's a baby the day they see the test. But now we got, we have demonically influenced people that are debating whether or not an infant with a heartbeat inside of a mother's womb, which should be the safest place on planet earth for a baby, is they're debating whether or not that is actually a child. All the while, we're spending trillions of dollars to send spaceships to Mars looking for an impression of a seashell to say because there is an impression of a seashell, there is life here, but the heartbeat of a baby in a mother's womb is not a life. The world is going to hell and I am not just, I'm not just speaking hyperbole. That is the direction it is going and it's not going to change. What's going to change is there will be a trumpet that sounds and when that trumpet sounds, those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the sky and the foot of our Galilean Savior will step down on the Mount of Olives and those of us will ever be with the Lord. That's what will happen. But if we don't teach our children, if we don't teach them what the word of God says, you're you're not just competing against what their friend might say. All of society is bent against us because they're against him. And when you got in Jesus... You actually joined another kingdom and another culture. So we have to be honest with our children. When they fall in love with Jesus, and they will, it is not incorrect to teach them that, baby, we don't just do what he says because it's right and wrong. We do what he says because the price he paid was so high 
that if we continue in our sin, the Bible says it's like we're stomping on his precious blood under our feet. You feel how that hurts your heart when I quote that scripture? Give them the chance to have their heart pricked. Because if they just think it's a rule book, it's very hard to follow. But when they find out why holiness is important, holiness becomes a byproduct of your affection with him. Not an entry point into his kingdom. The entry point is the blood. But it's exactly that. It's the entry point. It follows up with a lifestyle of beauty and grandeur that can only be experienced and is very challenging to explain. But if we do not tell them the truth, I've had many encounters with people where I'll lay that out. They say, well, what about this? What about that? You know, Jesus freed us from sin. Maybe we can just do that. I said, okay. I said, that's fine. But if his spotless blood were laying here, what would you do? I don't know. I said, because the Bible says if you're knowingly continuing in that sinful lifestyle, that you're trampling his blood under your feet. Do you want to trample the blood of the lamb under your feet? No, I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden, the why takes care of all the what's. Why you do it. Why you don't do it. Why you lay this down? Why you pick this up? It's not just about a bunch of tasks. It's about a love affair with the God that refused to leave you lifeless. That refused to leave you in a barren land, desolate and unforgiven. So when your kids are coming up, understand it's not your pastor's job to raise your kids. It's not the children's church worker's job to raise your kids. It's our job to come alongside you. And to teach them what the word says in congruence with what your family values are. Because your family values are what the word says. This is how this thing works together. But we've got to be honest. Two more things really quickly. I'm going to do one just as a side note. This is another footnote. You ready? Say his name often around your children. God bless America. That's a beautiful statement. But anybody from any religion can claim that they were talking about their God. But when you say that name, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. See, when you say that name, it's very challenging when you're first getting into this kingdom to even say his name in front of people. The reason is, is because his name is so divisive. That's how you say it when you're from East Texas. I think the proper way to say it is divisive. I prefer divisive. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for not leaving me. Thank you for not forgetting me. Thank you for rescuing my family. Thank you for bringing me my wife. Thank you for our church. Thank you for everything you've done. King Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, you're the Lord of all glory. Jesus, you're the King of kings. Get so comfortable saying Jesus that he is not a cuss word anymore. All of hell and all of society has tried to devalue that name. You can't watch a television show or a movie that when somebody stubs their toe, they don't say, Jesus Christ. Name one time you've seen them stub their toe and say, Muhammad. We're We're just talking now. Let's just be real. Name one time you've seen somebody hit their finger with a hammer and go, Buddha. That actually sounds like a pretty cool cuss word, Jake. You could throw that in the mix of all those that just roll out. Glory. You just, you just, you just make that name. You just make his name the epicenter of your home. Jesus, Jesus over everything. Jesus. I remember one time I watched my son. You know, he, he was born with cowboy boots on somehow. From the time he was about you know, zero to five, he wore cowboy boots every day. And I had this, we had this house that had some wooden stairs. And he hung one of those cowboy boots about four years old. And he hung the heel of his boot. And I watched him just tumble. And, and you ever seen somebody do what they call the scorpion? Their back like bends the wrong way. And their, their feet come around and touch their head. Jake, come show them what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's fallen. The only thing I, I'm watching him fall, I can't catch him. I just said, Jesus! I get down to the bottom of the stairs and my little four-year-old's laying in a pile. He fell face first. It was just, it was horrific looking. The bottom three stairs were concrete blocks. I told y'all I'm from East Texas. We like nice stuff. I said, are you okay? He said, yes, sir. Jesus caught me. I said, what? He said, yeah, Jesus just caught me, set me down. I'm good. You make his name so prevalent. That he's not a cuss word. He is the rescue phrase. He's the, I don't know what to do, but I know that name. I don't know who to call here, but I know who to call up there. I don't know who's fighting for me here. I don't know who's talking about me here, but I know I got a mediator between me and God. His name is Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Lastly, you're going to need some wisdom and some knowledge. Because raising kids is a very dynamic environment. Changes every day. Which means you're going to need to actually develop a prayer life. Wisdom is the ability to make a good decision. Knowledge is information. 
When I was a teenager, my mom prayed for me all the time and asked for wisdom that I would make good decisions. But she also sat next to a police scanner every night. (laughs) Any night I wasn't home. Because she wanted some knowledge. You're going to need some wisdom and some knowledge. Don't stick your head in the sand and act like you can't see what's going on with your kids. You're going to have to get the knowledge. And then you're going to have to get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, but that's not the end of wisdom. And the way to get wisdom is you ask for it. When you have time, we have to close for the sake of time. When you have time, go back and read Second Chronicles chapter number 1 and see where Solomon asked for wisdom. And the Bible said God gave it to him. And he didn't just give him wisdom. The Bible says he gave him wisdom and everything his heart could have desired. What I'm saying is all the sacrifices you make for your kids, not one of them will restrict the will and the dream of God from coming to pass in your life. God is not an either or kind of God when you're in his kingdom. He's a blessed coming in and a blessed going out. If you're about to have a baby, listen, don't you be fearing the terrible twos and postpartum this and postpartum. Don't you be confessing all that nonsense. You start confessing that my Redeemer lives. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. My kids are going to flourish. They're going to grow up healthy in the name of Jesus. If you're in that 18, 20 and your kids are about to leave the house, don't you be sitting there going, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, no, no, no. No, you were blessed in your coming in. Come on, somebody. And you're going to be blessed in your going out. And you can plead the blood of Jesus over them. There's no distance in prayer and you can ask God for wisdom and before you know it God will be giving you the ability to share just the insight that's necessary to get them from where they are to where they need to be can you say amen to that come on give God a hand of praise this morning I hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do number one subscribe to our show That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.